John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. All right. Thank you, Hunter. Good morning. My name is Brian. I'm carrying a lot of things here, so just get set. Welcome to Bedrock. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, just so excited that you're with us, that you've uh, gathered with us this morning to to worship. Man, wasn't that good? Uh, singing together. Love it. Um, I do want to, as Drew said, just let you know we have Bibles available. We are um, all about God's Word here at Bedrock, and we are going to be journeying through that this morning. And so if you need a Bible, I'm going to set some here, and I'll set some right here. Uh, feel free to grab that. And if you want to take one home, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, we would love for you to have it, to, to read it. It's yours. Um, here at Bedrock, we, um, we teach in team. So Drew, that was uh, up here interviewing David, uh, we get to share um, sharing the, the God's Word on Sunday mornings together. And we do that uh, expositionally. That's a big word, but really what that means is we, we go into um, passages of, of Scripture and we'll preach through it verse by verse. Um, and that's the typical format in which we do. And we call that a sermon series. Um, and so this allows us to, to interact with the text and the Word and see what God has for us. And so we're excited because this morning we are entering a new series um, that we have been praying for for a while. Um, I love this church, and we are, uh, we've been praying over this, this series and excited about what God has for us. As you see on the screen, invisible, seeing and displaying the presence of God's Word. So as I talk about, like, preparing a sermon series, as we pray about, man, where is it God's leading us in Scripture as a body to read and to um, learn from. It's amazing to see how he uses that in ways that we don't anticipate. And so last year, we walked through the book of Acts together, Acts 1 through 12, for several months. And we just knew as a young church, the book of Acts talks about what does the early church look like? Like, how do we, in a new city, as a young church, three, you know, two years old, how do we, what is that, what is that, what are we called to look, look like and, and follow God? And so as we did that, I believe that God sparked something in us. As we read every page of the book of Acts, and we saw the way that God's people, through the power of his Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, uh, displayed the presence of Christ to the world around them, that we yearned for that, that we longed for that. And, and God sparked something where, where conversations um, have just continued to happen where um, I, don't, I don't know in a church I've ever desired a greater unity than I have. Um, during this time with, with you, <laughs> and it's, it's sweet. 
and it's beautiful. And, and it's something I, I'm confident this morning that God is leading us into to consider what does it look like for us to earnestly desire, um, be aware of the presence of God in us and through us, how he's going to work um, the giftings out in each of us and, and do that to draw us to more love for one another, more unity, um, more than ever. I don't want to be a church that relies on anything other than that. If you take away the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts, the church there, nothing happens. They were completely reliant. And sometimes I wonder if we take away the Holy Spirit from churches that exist today, does anything change? And I, I long for our church to walk in the presence of the Spirit, for us to um, release to him control of how he brings us together, of how he guides us, how he allows us to display. I think about the Lutheran Settlement House, how, how, how much I just pray that we step into places like that and God begins to stir our hearts in supernatural ways for people and displays himself in supernatural ways through each of us. I long for us to know that as followers of Jesus, each one of us are part of that, that each one of us has value, that God's gifted you, that he wants to use you, and that he is. So that's our prayer this morning. We are going to go through a study in 1 Corinthians 12. We're actually not going to get into 1 Corinthians 12 today. They're laying some foundation. And I, I know, a, a sermon series on the, the Holy Spirit, some of you are like, yes, let's go. And some of you are like, oh, that makes me a little nervous. But I, I just want to, to just, yeah, share today that I believe so much that this is where the Lord's taken us, that we have so much to learn, that he's calling us to desire more of his presence, to display that. And it's going to call us into greater love and um, in, in his presence together. And so let me pray for that. Father, I thank you for the, the just spirit-filled worship that we've experienced already this morning, that um, you are with us that you, um, as we see in, in the message today, your presence is with us uh, like never before. It's a grace that is hard to, to even grasp and, and believe and understand, but I pray that you would um, grow our, our desire for it, our awareness that, that you dwell with us and, and work in us. I pray for this church God, as we, we just, we know, Lord, that, that without you, we can do nothing. As we look at a big city that we long to know, the love of Jesus, as we talk about the Lutheran settlement house and the many, many ways that people are broken and could use uh, love and support, God, that it's only through uh, spirit-filled followers of Jesus um, that, that can really change lives. And so we just pray that you would, um, Lord, walk us in that, teach us. Um, through this series. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would empower each of us and grow us in um, our giftings, but more than anything, our awareness of who you are, what you're already doing. And we love you in your name. Amen. All right. So um, a verse that comes to mind as we talk about this is Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly then all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory of the church in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I believe as we go into this series, 
um, that God has far more than we could ever imagine if we would just trust and, and seek him. Um, so would you pray with us in this? I, I, I believe that, that knowing Jesus more and, and yielding to his power control is what allows us to be most satisfied in God and what gives him most glory. Um, so please be praying with us. Uh, I know I've got a, a, an old man sweater on and I'm about to talk about minivans. So I'm going to change gears here a little bit um, real quickly. But I know we all have different cars that, that we're like, okay, if I could save up and get, um, I hope to get that one day. For me and Anna, I think I can speak for, for okay, she's shaking her head. For me and Anna, we have uh, just through the stage of life that we're in, kiddos, whatnot, we are over the top about a Toyota Sienna. At some, at, at some point, like it is like without a doubt, without hesitation, like the next vehicle that we would love to save up for and to be driving and enjoying um, a midnight black metallic or maybe the, the cypress color, like the green would be awesome. Uh, the sliding doors, the, the cup holders, that kind of sleek design. Man, thought about it a lot. We finally got to sit in one. My brother-in-law and my sister, they have one. We got to ride in one. And it just like, Anna got out of the car and she's like, it's it. Like that confirmed everything for me. Um, so if you close your eyes and you think about what that is for you, what car that is for you, I'm sure it's not the same. You'll understand one day. But when you start saving up for a car or you're aware of the glory of a, of a minivan, isn't it true that everywhere you go, you start to notice that they're everywhere, right? Like you're driving down the road and, and before, you know, you get to this desire for it, you, you, you're like, I never even saw them, but I'm passing like 10 of them right now. I've, I've seen one that, you know, uh, in every parking lot that I go. <laughs> and that's our prayer for this series. <laughs> that it's, it's not that the Holy Spirit hasn't already been working in us, it's, it's not that, that we're not gifted and, and that there's just this like dysfunctional church that I'm looking at right now. It's not that at all. What, what we're longing for is as we step forward in this series is that we just see it even more, that we start to see that the presence of God is everywhere. As we talked about in our, our last series, that, that we're every, everyday followers of Jesus. It's not just uh, in a service or uh, in a meeting, but in every moment of our life. So, that, so please, just, I hope that helps understand where we're, we're headed. It's not that I think that um, we're not experiencing it already. Like some of you have said an encouraging word to me in a timely fashion that only was supernatural. Like, like as I said, the sermon series, the timing of what happens, it's, it's only of God. There's, there's been times where um, he's led us into to moments and provision that have only been by the Spirit of God. And it's time that we stop calling those things natural, and we start recognizing that it is a supernatural present God with us that we get to enjoy and embrace and walk with. It's going to be far less about our gifting test that we take and far more, listen, about listening. This, this process is going to be far more about learning and praying. 
and saying, God, would you reveal to me? And, and I pray that we pray more for that for one another than we do for ourselves. So we're going to take it slow. Today, we are really just asking, and this is not a simple question, <laughs> who is the Holy Spirit? Um, I have three points that I want to move through. Um, we're going to have some background here. Uh, I do think we have a lot of misunderstanding, or we um, maybe don't give the Holy Spirit the attention that he deserves. It's almost like that uh, third um, lesser than. So can we start here, like, just with the idea that, that God is incomprehensible, that, like, we, he is unimaginable, that he is far greater than we could ever understand. Don't let that overwhelm you. What's beautiful about that is that what we can also say with God's word and through the way he reveals is that we know everything about him that we need to know. That we will spend our life knowing and growing in who he is. And that's amazing. We don't have to grasp everything because he's a mighty, powerful God. Psalm 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. This is such a drop um, from, from that in illustration, but it's like a, like a MacBook. I don't have to understand, like, okay, those things blow my mind. How we've gotten to like how thin they are and all that they do from, from when I was a kid and it was just a PC. Like, I, I, I just can't even really grasp how it works, but I can experience and have a really good understanding and a daily use of it. And I appreciate it. Now, again, that doesn't even compare <laughs> to how unsearchable God is, but um, we can both experience who he is, understand who he is, but not grasp and understand everything. And there's a comfort in that, something beautiful about that. And so my first point for us today is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. What we're getting at is that he's not this optional third. He's not a lesser than, but what we want to see is that he's been there from the beginning. We are introduced to the Spirit of God in the first two verses of the Bible. So again, I mentioned God's Word. We believe that, that God's Word is a unified story that points to Jesus, that it's true and historical, that from the beginning of this book, we, we hear about how God created the world, and then we can read to the end and see how it ends and how eternity will look. And so on the very first pages of, of Scripture, we see the creation scene, we went through that series uh, just a few weeks ago, and it says, in the beginning was the word, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's the second verse I have here. So Genesis 1, 1 through 2 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Here we go. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So what we see here is that before the world was ever created, which if we close our eyes and we think about even that image, it's wild to think about God in eternal existence before the world even began. And we see that God is present in, in the spirit. The, the Hebrew word here is ruach, which means wind, spirit, breath of God. That was active in this creation scene in this moment before we even ever existed. What we read in John, um, 
1, 1 through 3, speaking of Jesus, so it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Again, it's talking about Jesus, saying that Jesus is the physical presence of God in the world, that he stepped foot into our world, and he's the, the physical Word of God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So what I'm getting at is that even on the first page of Scripture, the Holy Spirit's present, the Spirit of God, and God the Father. As we read John 1, 1 through 3, Jesus, God the Son, are in unity, existing, eternal, and then the world is created. And so a big word that we have, an important doctrine here of the church, is the Trinity, the Trinity is a core doctrine here at Bedrock. It's one of those truths that, that is so essential to how we understand and know God and, and who he is. We sang even in our songs this morning, there was that song, praise God the Father, praise the Son, praise the Holy Spirit. It's, it's been uh, long held throughout church history. It's based off scripture and, and what we see in verses like we just read, that Here's a, a, a quick definition. God is three in one. We, we sang that this morning. He is one God, but three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. Again, it's one of those rich truths about God that uh, when we try to understand it completely, it racks our mind, but the implications of it are beautiful. The, what we can know of it is um, so impactful to us. Uh, Grudem says that, God's eternally, God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each person is fully God, and there is one God. We see this reality of the Trinity reflected throughout Scripture. So another example is Luke 3, 21 through 22. This is actually one of my favorite passages when we talk about um, all three persons of the Trinity of our one God being displayed in a scene. It says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. This scene is, is incredible to me. It's, uh, again, it displays all three persons of the Trinity. You have Jesus who's getting ready to set forth into his earthly ministry to call people to the kingdom of God, to restoration with God, to be part of his family. And you've got God speaking, just like we saw in Genesis 1, God speaking the world into existence. But then you see the spirit in the form of a dove descending upon Jesus. And so just as we see the the Spirit of God in Genesis 1 hovering over the face of the waters, we now see the Spirit of God in the form of a dove hovering over the water of the Jordan as Jesus is being baptized, and God is affirming it. And you get this sense that the presence of God is a, a beautiful thing that we take for granted. It actually says uh, the same word that's used in, as Ruach uh, in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses uses to describe like a, like a mother bird hovering over the, the nest. And so the spirit is this active, um, lively part that, that we 
see as part of the Trinity in other passages as well. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. And so that's our passage. That's where we're getting ready to head in a few weeks is 1 Corinthians 12. And we see that God is working in three persons to uh, move forward his work of redemption in our life, to experience his presence. Matthew, lastly, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all that I've commanded you. Uh, and this is perhaps one of the greatest or strongest passages uh, of the Trinity. It shows equality given to all three persons. Here's what I'm getting at. This is why it's important. The Holy Spirit is, is equal in that list. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We can't, as we enter a series, we can't um, lessen who he is. He is, um, he's God. He is uh, always been God. He has always been part of the way in which God interacts and moves in our life. Just a few quick kind of reasons the Trinity matters. As I said, the Holy Spirit's fully God. He's not optional. To know God means to know and experience life in the Holy Spirit. It actually says in Acts 5, 3 through 4, that if you lie to the Holy Spirit, you're lying to God. It says, in, um, but Peter said to Ananias, why Satan was filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. It's amazing to realize that God from before we ever existed was in perfect unity with himself in relationship. He wasn't lacking. He didn't create us because of this huge gap or need, but he did. He loves us. He created us. He pursues us. It's important for us to realize that, that, that God is in perfect unity within himself. Without the Trinity, we would miss the unique role that the Holy Spirit plays in union with the Father, Son, to restore us into relationship with God. We see all throughout Scripture that the God, that Father is, is the one that is willing, that is sovereign, moving things forward. The Son is the one that stepped foot into our world, that is accomplishing, that paid the price for the sin that we couldn't uh, pay on our own. To, to restore us back into relationship. The work that Christ has done is what we celebrate today in communion. And, the trin and, and with the Spirit, he's the one that is applying the work of Christ into our life, that is sanctifying us. It's another word from Scripture. It's a word in which means he's continuing us to, to, to rid us of our old self and make us new to look more like him. The Spirit is active. It's in the Trinity. There's a unity and distinction existing together without being compromised. In the same way, we reflect unity as the body, but made up of many distinct members existing together to glorify God. So, so I want to make this connection for us as we enter this series is the Trinity also plays into the giftings. Like it's not a perfect parallel, but uh, God in his oneness 
in his unity of, of the Father, Son, and Spirit is reflected in the way that we also get to reflect his, like a unified church as one, but of many members, of many gifts. It's beautiful. We are many parts. The SV Study Bible says the principle at the heart of the Trinity can be seen in much of what makes life so rich and beautiful. Woven into the fabric of the world are multiple reflections of the one who made it with unity and distinction as the parallel qualities of its existence. We are many parts. It's like a symphony or a human body, marriage, ecosystems, the church, Human race, a big, delicious meal, fast break in basketball. I could go on about the complexity and the beauty of the Trinity. And if you want to talk more about that, please, we're glad to. We, uh, we can't contain it all in one message. Uh, but if you can, can see anything here is God is, uh, the Holy Spirit is fully God. That's going to play into our, our understanding and, and everything that we're about to enter in this series so point number two, the Holy Spirit is to be fully known. What I'm getting, getting at here is the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Um, do you, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but do you think of the Holy Spirit as more of a force, an energy, or as a person? Have you thought about that? I would argue, what I'm going to argue here is that the Holy Spirit is more than a force or an energy. Well, I'm not saying he's not that. He, he is he is a his person. We're going to see that in the attributes throughout Scripture. But I think the name even throws us off. I think we have this value, this understanding, this connection in the name of the Father, God the Father, and in the name of the God the Son and Jesus who's accomplished the work for us. But then we get to the Holy Spirit and we're like, what does that even mean? And then we use things like Holy Ghost, and we get spooked a little bit, and it causes this kind of like, I don't know if we realize it, but this distance maybe to who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a passive power that we can summon, but a person that we submit ourselves to. Let me give a few examples from Scripture of, of how he's a person, how he interacts with us. Listen to the words and, and consider, is that a force or is that something a person would do? It says in John 12, 26, that he comforts. We see in John 14, 26, he teaches. He speaks in Acts 8, 29 and, and many other references. He makes decisions, Acts 15, 28. He grieves over sin. Like we interact with him, he he grieves over our disobedience, overrules human actions, searches the deep things of God and knows the thoughts of God, determines the distribution of spiritual gifts. He's wise. He knows us in a way that uh, he equips us, interprets and brings human prayer before the throne of God, the Father. Do you think about that? When we pray, the Holy Spirit is part of that bringing our prayers before God the Father through the work that Jesus has done for us. He assures believers of their salvation and adoption. Romans 8, 16, bears witness to and glorifies Christ, brings unity. It is the Holy Spirit whose work in, like I said, the sanctification of making us look more like Jesus every day, to put off the old and put on the new. These are all very personal actions. 
force doesn't grieve over sin, that force doesn't comfort, and impersonal force doesn't uh, provide better comfort than Jesus. Jesus said when he left that the, the comforter is coming and it's better for you. Man, the Holy Spirit is someone that we are to know. He makes much of Christ in our lives. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Real quickly here, the ESV study Bible, just, uh, some more ways in which the Spirit makes much of Christ in us. He illumines the Bible to us. So as we read God's word, the Spirit is involved in, in revealing and in, in making this word active to us and in, in knowing us enough to, to give us what we need to hear. Empowers gospel preaching through us the proclamation of good news to those around us. He prompts us to those moments and he uses the words that we speak, brings regeneration, new life. We believe that it's the Holy Spirit in the moment that we place our faith in Christ that brings us into a new life, um, sanctifies the believer. So as we talked about, what I'm getting at is he wants to be known. Do we make room for this? Are we praying for this? Like, can we be real for a moment? I think we enjoy the idea of the Holy Spirit. We enjoy the work of Christ in bringing us eternal life with, with God. But do we actively ask for the Spirit to work in our life daily? I've thought and reflected from personal conviction why we don't <laughs> more than we do. It's almost like we stop short. We're like, okay, I think we're uncomfortable. I, I, think, I think there's this um, desire for control that if we recognize that the Holy Spirit is leading us, we don't want to relinquish. Like, can we be real about that? Like, if we wake up and we say, Spirit, will you guide me to, to someone today? I think that scares us to death sometimes. And we're calling one another to, to not live in that fear, but in that trust, because there's so much life to be experienced in that. How many would you say um, you are a spontaneous person? So you like to just, at last minute, change plans and go somewhere, experience something that just gives you life. Drew's raising his hand. Yeah, love it. And then how many of you would say on the other side of that, you're the planner, if spontaneous What's the word? I can't even say it. If it gets spontaneous, your day is ruined. You're like, I didn't have that in my plans. Everything, this just doesn't work. <laughs> I think sometimes we, we, we interact with the Spirit in that way. I think we're scared to death that the Spirit at any moment, He keeps, keeps us on our toes. That He's going to lead us into opportunities. And we, we like our schedule. We like our time and the way that we expect it. It's this releasing of that to say, God, you in me and through me is so much more, so much better. I think, I think we're also afraid that he's going to disappoint us, if we're honest. That we prayed before and our expectations weren't met. And we were afraid that if we pray in the spirit, he's not going to show up in the way that we expected. So there's this fear, and it's easier just to play it safe. I don't know what else the Lord might be bringing to mind for you. 
But I think also the sin of our hearts we know is going to be confronted. That, that when we ask for the presence of God, that sin can't exist and be present in that. That we are brought to a confrontation of our sin, of whatever idols that we don't want to let go of. Let me read this from the, from the USV Study Bible. It says, A life pleasing to God involves daily dependence on the precious Holy Spirit. He is to be known, sought, and loved. His awakening and empowering have always been the essential ingredients of true and lasting works of God in the lives of people. His work in the transformed lives of believers is the key to a Christian life that experiences God's blessing and becomes an effective witness to a cynical, skeptical world. What that's saying is there is a person to be known. There is a daily obedience and dependence that I believe God's calling us to. And I, I, I just want to encourage us, don't stop short. Um, but don't let that fear drive us not to say, man, may we have more of your presence. May you use the presence of Christ in my life. Um, point number three. The Holy Spirit is fully present. Or what I would say is, God has been has never been closer than he is today. Never before. It's my prayer that we don't take the presence of God for granted, but we see it as a gift. If we revisit the garden scene, so Genesis 1, if we revisit chapter 3, we see that God is walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. That there's this tangible presence of God that they get to experience without like any limitation. And then we see that that is broken. Um, God's real presence is broken in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. They immediately hide themselves, it actually says, from the presence of God. It says that they were kicked out of the garden where God's presence would never look the same. It's important for us to know that sin caused a real separation and deeply impacted the way we interact with a holy, righteous, perfect God. But can we also remember that we were always created and meant to be in God's presence? that there's a yearning and a longing for it. From the beginning, that's what he has for us. In Exodus 33, so we move forward in the scenes of Scripture, Moses longed to be in the presence of God face to face. He said, show me your glory. He longed, he longed for it. In Exodus 33, 20 through 23, it says, but he said, you cannot see my face. This is God responding, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll take my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. We move forward. It says the presence of God. I'm just going to check this mic. Okay, it's off. Um, it says the presence of God was displayed through a pillar of fire that God guided Israelites throughout the wilderness. So there's this presence of God, but it's this temporary. It's not walking alongside like we saw in the garden. 
We see throughout the rest of the Old Testament, the children of Israel, that the presence of God could only be accessed in a temple, in a tabernacle, that there was a room deep in the temple that was called the Holy of Holies. And, and only certain people, only the priests, the high priest could enter that place. But that's where the presence of God dwelled. So there's this distance. There was a, 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 a curtain that was thick that, that separated everything else from the presence of God. And occasionally we would see that the Holy Spirit would fill or descend on a prophet, a priest, or a king but it would never remain. The manifest presence would, would only visit. We see David pleased in Psalm 51, 10 through 11, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 42, 2 says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God There's this yearning that I'm trying to help us see, this longing, this separation to be in the presence of God like we were always meant to be. And thank goodness that as we fast forward to the scenes of Scripture, Jesus, God's Son, steps foot in that moment that we talked about where, where the Trinity is represented. He's being baptized and he comes proclaiming the kingdom. And what we know about Jesus is that he came to give his life so that we could be in the eternal presence of God. The Spirit of God in that moment, if you noticed, there's a beautiful word in verse 33. It says, um, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descended and remain. Remain. It didn't leave. The Spirit remained. It was the temple of Jesus, his body, that the Spirit now indwelled. Drew's going to talk a lot about that next week, how the Spirit worked through the life of Jesus. And Jesus would then go on to give his life, resurrect from the dead, and now he offers that same life to us. What we read in that moment of Jesus' sacrifice and the resurrection from the dead that is in the power of the Spirit is that the veil was torn. The veil was torn. Access is now given. In Acts 2, we see that the Holy Spirit poured down upon those that believed. And now we are ushered into not this age of the visitation of the Spirit, of this presence, but behind a curtain. And it's, it's not the same like it was in the garden. Now we enter into the age of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God in us. The presence of God in you as the temple. What an unbelievable truth that should stir our affections for him every single day. It says in John 16, 7 through 11, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away for I do not go away. The helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the rule of this world judge. Um, 
Acts 2 talks about when the Holy Spirit arrived, that this was a prophecy that Joel proclaimed, that yearning. It says, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. What it's saying is that finally, finally, the Holy Spirit, God's presence, has never been closer and he makes his presence in us as the temple. Paul says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of a person? which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We might impart in the words not taught by human wisdom, but by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Read that verse this week so many times. When you sit in that verse, what we realize is that the presence of God through the Spirit, now is literally God allowing us to be connected to him in a way that never before, that literally he's giving us his presence. Like literally he's allowing us to, what it says is, comprehend the thoughts of God. I started this sermon by saying he's hard to even comprehend. But now through the Spirit, we can grow in knowing him day by day because he's in us. If you've never seen this story throughout scripture that that God is pursuing us with his presence, that he wants to know us, that he wants to restore us, please hear that today. May you see that on every page, God has moved towards us and made a way for us to live with him. That God the Father sent his son Jesus to give his life, to shed his blood, to break his body, so that our sin and our brokenness could be forgiven. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you want the presence of God in your life, if you want to experience what we're talking about in walking in the Spirit, you can place your faith in him today and what the work of Christ has done. And then the Spirit will then bring you from, from that um, brokenness and that sin to new life, to victory, to enjoying him daily. It's a complete life change. If you want to talk about that today, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Um, but may you today, I just call upon him for salvation if that's never happened for you. He longs for that. And believer, my encouragement to you this series is that it's not about a gift. It's not about a gift. Don't make this about solely Finding your gift, that will come. That will come. But it's a byproduct of, embrace, of embracing the presence of God in your life. I want to say, don't seek a gift and miss his presence. His presence is the gift. Don't seek a gift and miss his presence. His presence is a gift. We never have had access to, to God like this before. Will you start praying with us, that we have a greater awareness of the presence of God? Will you pray out of your love for brothers and sisters in Christ that they experience this as well?
for the Holy Spirit to empower them in their giftings just as much as yourself. Rather than wait around for clarity on gifting, I'm praying that we begin to actively engage in the world around us and pay attention to the needs of the hurting and places where God is already working and beckoning us to participate. Places like discussed this morning. And I think out of that, God is going to show us more than we could ever imagine. I'm going to ask that the band come up as we close. Um, I just want to give you time to reflect on what we've discussed, that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Maybe that's just never clicked for you before. And there's this appreciation in this, this praise and this worship that God's stirring for you to just thank him for, for the, the many ways in which he is in relationship to us. Maybe the Holy Spirit, you've never, never realized or embraced this idea that he is a person to be known, that he's not distant, but he desires for us to walk with him, to listen, to respond. And maybe uh, the Holy Spirit in his presence that God has never been closer than, be, than before. Um, maybe that's something that, that we just don't appreciate as much as we should. And that's clicked for you this morning. I want to give us time to pray for that. Um, maybe like, like, I'm just going to pray for that over us. And then we're going to enter into a time of communion. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for allowing us to enter this, this time, this series, Thank you, Father, for your, your sovereign will, your, your ways in which you um, have brought restoration to us, that we can know you. Thank you uh, for Christ and the work he's done on the cross in uh, paying what we could not on our own, in making a way. The love that you have for us is unbelievable. And thank you for the power of the spirit that we get to live in, that we long to experience and see more and more. I pray that you would uh, teach us throughout this time as a body, grow us in love for one another, uh, and appreciation, awareness of your presence. In your name, amen.